This episode is brought to you by Focus Features. Do you have plans this weekend? Well, cancel them because you're going to want to head to the theater to see Polite Society. This highly anticipated movie from Focus Features follows Rhea Khan, a Pakistani British high schooler slash martial artist in training who plans a wedding heist to save her older sister Lena from her impending marriage. It's a merry mashup of sisterly affection, parental disappointment, and bold and bloody action. Don't miss it. Polite Society is in theaters April 28th. Get your tickets now at politesocietymovie.com. That's politesocietymovie.com. Hello, and welcome back to Girlboss Radio. I'm your host, Avery. I'm the founder and CEO of Bloom, a workplace design consultancy on a mission to build work that works for everyone. Today, we have a special episode with two boundary-breaking women from the upcoming movie, Polite Society, writer-director Nita Mazur and actor Ritu Arya. First up, I chatted with Nita about what inspired her to create this sisterly love story, why it's so important to see brown women kicking ass on screen, and what success really means to her. Let's get into it. Nita, welcome to Girl Boss Radio. I am so excited to have this conversation with you today. How are you feeling? I'm so thrilled to be speaking with you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. My film's coming out in a few weeks. Excitement, nerves, all the feels. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I've seen the film and it was incredible. And I have so many questions. But I think first and foremost, I would love for you to describe Polite Society. I would say Polite Society is an action comedy about two sisters and their love story. It follows a teenage girl who dreams of being a stunt woman, but then when she sees her older sister give up on her dreams of being an artist, she takes it on herself to put things to right and save her older sister from what she believes is throwing away her dreams and becoming part of the patriarchy. And yeah, it's an action movie with heists, with kung fu, with Bollywood dancers. I kind of threw everything at this film. (laughs) Yeah, it was incredible for me. So in my full-time job, I'm a DEI educator and and leader. So I saw so many really, really, really impactful and important themes in the film. I thought it was really refreshing to see those things explored in the way that you did it, especially when it came from like two women of color, right? We don't really see stories like this. So I'm curious, like what was the inspiration behind the film? You know, in many ways, my older sister has been such a a muse for me. She was such a punk, such a rebel growing up. And I just wanted to honor her in our relationship in a movie. And, you know, it was also the films I grew up loving. I loved action cinema, but I never felt that I was represented there. And so I was excited to center a South Asian teenage girl, but allow her to take center stage and lead an action film. It says something about this kind of character that you're worth cinema, you're worth this a spectacle event cinema, you deserve to be watched in a big movie theater with loads of people. You know, it's something that I never felt I saw growing up. And it was something I definitely wanted to bring to cinema and be like, no, this teenage girl can lead a big studio action movie. Absolutely. And for me, what came up, and I didn't really have this feeling or this idea before, but What I was confronted with when I was watching the film is like, wow, every single time that I've ever observed a woman, specifically a woman of color in films like this, they're hypersexualized when it comes to like action or like those types of movies and films, whereas that was not the angle at all in polite society, which is needed. Yeah. You know, I wanted to honor our female rage, the rage of a woman 
oftentimes I felt like anger was something ugly and not for me. And so I wanted to celebrate a sort of the feminine, the dark feminine, the angry woman and honor her because I felt like, again, something that was taken away. And why I was so excited to make an action movie about sisterhood is because as a teenager and going through puberty, I found I loved doing sports and doing martial arts. But then as I kind of entered puberty, I remember feeling just totally different in my body, objectified. It was almost like your body's taken away from you and there's an alienation from it. When I'm reflecting now, I'm like, of course, I wanted to make an action movie because it allows women characters to be physical and be in their bodies and be unified with their bodies that oftentimes when you go through puberty and you become a woman, you feel that you've lost a part of your selfhood because you're so conscious of your physical form in a way that is, isn't right. So it was exciting to get to use a very physically action genre to explore femininity and sisterhood. Yes. And I love what you said about rage. I don't know if you've ever read the book Rage Becomes Her. Have you? No. Okay. You have to read that book. Okay. It's a book that's backed by and supported by a lot of data, but stories as well that really shares the power of a woman's rage. When I was watching the film, a lot of the themes that are explored in that book that was written, I think, like 20 years ago now were represented in your film. And I think that a woman's rage can be an incredibly powerful tool. We've been seeing that a lot over the last few years with a lot of the movements that have been taking place. But with that, we don't necessarily see it from the angle that you explored it, which was fun and interesting and dynamic and like you said, physical. So I thought it was like a really, really powerful representation of specifically of South Asian women. But like even for me as like a woman of color, I I felt like really connected to it. So I'm curious, Can you share more about your journey of directing the film? What was it like to see it all come together on screen? It was just honestly a dream come true every day I was making it. I'm like, they let me make this. I wrote the first draft 10 years ago and I got pretty much no's from everyone who read it. It was as if the film didn't make sense to people. It's like, why would these characters be in this genre movie? And I was like, because it needs to happen because I haven't seen it because it's what my teenage heart desires, but like, you know, I felt such pushback and it really shook my confidence getting all those no's. So I had to battle a lot of self-doubt as I was making the film pretty much every day. But, you know, I was so uplifted from my cast and my crew and there was such an amazing sense of collaboration on set and support and love that it was just honestly the most joyful experience. And I feel like incredibly lucky getting to work with such a talented group of people. So what was it like when you finally got that yes? It was bonkers. It was slightly like frustrating because, you know, I was expecting somebody would tell me I had a green, you got the green light, but no one tells you, you just end up, you're making the film and then they end up spending too much money and then you just have to make it. So I ended up buying physical green lights and giving them to all my crew being like, this is a green light. We have the green light. But yeah, once we were shooting, it's constantly surreal. Even now when I see the posters for the film in the underground at bus stops, I'm like, what? I never thought I'd see Rhea Khan, who I dreamt of as a teenager, be on like a bus stop on the train. I'm just like, no, it's my movie. I like stand next to the posters and I'm like, I made that movie. Are you ever just waiting for anyone to be like, yeah, how about that film? You can be like, I did that. Yeah, I'm constantly like so excited when people know the film who aren't my direct friends and family. I'm like, what? Blows my mind. (laughs) So 10 years of no's, how did you navigate that rejection to keep going? It was rough. It was it was hard. I learned a lot again on my siblings. My sister especially has been such an incredible champion and support of mine. 
but it's definitely something I struggled with. My parents were struggling to support me because they didn't think it was a good idea initially. They thought there aren't people like me making cinema. Where would I fit? So in some ways, you know, they're fully justified in their anxieties about me pursuing this. So it was quite lonely at times. But I had, again, great producers. I have friends, directors of color. We've got a group we support and encourage each other. And I've had a really strong network of creatives who are always helping me along and encouraging me. I love that. I have a sister as well. I'm the the eldest, so a little bit different than than you, but I, I, I just felt so connected to the film because of the story in it. And for me, I remember the first time I watched Frozen and I was so moved by the movie because it was the first time I actually saw a film that focused on the love between two sisters. And to me, Polite Society is the second time I had that same feeling, but it was so much more powerful because it was two women of color, right? Why do you think it's important that we have more stories on the power of sisterhood? Because it's such a unique and beautiful love story that is so different to a romantic one it's like you can be so cruel and have such deep hatred for your sister but be fiercely protective it's sort of a strange unique beast that relationship one of like insane love but insane hate and it can flip on a dime like it's unlike anything and I think it's just because there's not enough women making cinema to really feel like I need to put a sister love like no one cares for a sister love story except for people who have intense relationships with their sister. It was it was just something that I know is so beautiful and has lifted me up and torn me down in equal measure. For me, even the fighting scenes, I know those moments. It just is like this hyper dramatization of these fights you get in with your sister. It made me think about the time that I was dating someone and he wasn't it. And my sister and I got into a massive argument about how she felt. And it just, that moment plays out in polite society. And I was just like, this is just like, I know so many people. But also what I was thinking when I was watching the film is like, damn, we have so many stories about brotherhood and so little about sisterhood. So that's interesting that you just shared that. For you, what is like the main message that you wanted to share with this film? I think for me, the most important thing was that audiences can see that two women of color can be the center stage of an action movie and it be loads of fun and be a joyful, uplifting experience. And for me, it's just sharing in that joy and it being an entertaining day with your friends is so important because as a kind of woman from South Asian and with a Muslim background, I was so often being asked to write about the pain and the trauma of what it means to be from my background rather than the joy. And it's like, being able to have a joyful film and it just end with joy rather than it being weighted in trauma and darkness was kind of it. I'm like, no, we can have an action comedy and it be uplifting and a load of fun. And that can be what it is. I love that. And I think that as a Black woman that works in the anti-racism space, I totally identify with what you're talking about. So I appreciate you sharing that and for your vulnerability. So we talk a lot about success here at Girl Boss Radio, and your film explores the social and interpersonal ways in which women's ideas of success can be influenced very heavily. How do you define success? Oh, gosh, that is such a good question. And for me, it's really evolved as I've sort of entered my 30s now. I used to define success so much in career, getting to make the film, getting to create my art, which is an element of it. But for me, it's oftentimes it would come at the cost of my personal health, my mental health my physical health and my relationships. And I was like, I can't, I actually don't think it's worth the sacrifice. 
But then I don't know why I've, I've entered this mentality of it's got to be one or the other. So now I'm sort of shifting gears where I'm approaching my work, but being boundaried about it for the first time, not letting it consume every aspect of my being and in making room and time for my family, for my friends and cultivating my person outside my job. Because I feel like I was looking so much for my job to define me. And now I realized I had joy making the film, but the film isn't mine. All I have is the process of making it. And I need to cultivate my relationships and myself outside of that. And that's something now into being a woman in her 30s. I'm like, all right, let's just like look at the situation. And, you know, I want to have a long career making movies. And I think the only way I can do that is by protecting my physical, mental health and, you know, being boundaried in how I work. I think that it really encapsulates a lot of ways in which women are pursuing their own definition of success. So the way I'd like to end off this conversation today is, do you believe that you're successful based on your definition of success? I believe that I'm on my journey to success because I've only recently stopped defining success as the goals. And it's more being able to hold my art and my work with my being in the world. And I'm only new to holding those things together. So I'm still on the path of what I want my success to be is to have a life and be an artist, not sacrifice one or the other. So I'm on the, I'm on the path. So it's so funny that as beings, we are existing, right? And living, but we're all aspiring to have a life. <laughs> it's such an interesting paradox. So anyways, with that, I want to thank you, Nita, for taking this time to chat with us today. I really hope that people take the time to go and see your film. I watched it and was really moved and inspired. So thank you for creating it and sharing your story with us. Is there anything you'd like to leave Girl Boss listeners with before we wrap up? Thank you so much for having me. It's honestly been so cathartic and emotional to get to speak. I just really hope that audiences and young women go with their friends and go to the cinema and watch this film because it's for them and it celebrates us all. Thank you so much, Nita. Thanks so much. Thanks, Avery. This episode is brought to you by Focus Features. What would you do if your sister gave up on her dreams by dropping out of art school and getting engaged to a guy who is high-key kind of sus? You plan the most epic wedding heist of all times in the name of unconditional sisterly love. That's exactly what happens in Polite Society, the highly anticipated action comedy film starring Priya Kansara and Ritu Arya. What can you expect? Hilarious sisterly banter, ass-kicking fight scenes, old-school kung fu movie nostalgia, intricate costumes, and a few plot twists along the way. Polite Society is in theaters April 28th. Get your tickets now at politesocietymovie.com. That's politesocietymovie.com. Okay, next up, I chat with actor Ritu Arya, one of the leads of Polite Society, about how she deals with rejection, her biggest success to date, It's Not What You Think, and why she feels so connected to her character, Lena. Let's get into it. Ritu, welcome to Girl Boss Radio. I am so excited to chat with you today. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you, love. How are you doing? I am good. I had my first ever pre-screening experience last night. I always wondered how this all worked, but I got like a special link and I watched Polite Society for the first time and it was really, really, really good. <laughs> Yay. Oh, that's so nice to hear. Thank you. 
Yeah. Like for me as a Black woman that has never seen a lot of racialized women in really powerful, action-packed roles on screen, it was just a wonderful breath of fresh air. And it was just so exciting. The themes in the movie were just fantastic. Before we get into Play Society, of course, I want to pick your brain about it. I want to go backwards a little bit. And I'd like to learn a little bit more about like what inspired you to get into acting. I was pretty young when I knew that I wanted to get into acting. We watched a lot of Bollywood films growing up. I just fell in love with Shah Rukh Khan in films like Diwali Dulaniya Le Jenge. And I mean, that was just such a monumental film growing up that I just thought, how do I get to meet him? How does he get to be my dad or my boyfriend? But then also I have two brothers. I have an older and younger brother. My, at the time, it was just, you know, me and my older brother. And he was really confident and performative. And there was, I guess, this feeling that I was the girl that would be a bit more quiet and submissive and, you know, wear the dresses. And I felt like I wanted to show that I can do what he does. And so I wanted to be confident and I wanted to be able to sing and dance in front of everyone and because I wanted to be seen as an equal to him. And so I asked my mom, like, could I go to some sort of drama class or something? And then it wasn't until I think high school then of doing sort of school plays and stuff and saw it as a potential thing that I could do as like a career. Amazing. Yeah. And I I do a lot of research before I chat with folks because I just want to know everything. And one of the things that I came across is that you had a band called Kin in the past. You have a bachelor's in astrophysics and you went to drama school. What else is something people would likely be surprised to know about you? So something that not many people know is I have a phobia of newspaper. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it's a little bit shocking. That is shocking. I've never heard of that before. I feel like loads of people have very interesting phobias. But yeah, mine is newspaper. Interesting. So like reading it or just being in the vicinity of one, like seeing it? Being in the vicinity of one. Wow. Oh my goodness. So that's a very interesting thing. Do you find it hard navigating around that? I've kind of gotten used to it. But what I'll do is getting the tube, I'll like have my hood up and just sort of look like I'm really unapproachable. But actually, it's because I'm trying to hide from the newspapers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> People yes. are like, he looks like a fucking dick. And I'm like, no, I'm just afraid. Yeah, let's switch gears. Thank you for your vulnerability and for sharing that with all of us. I'm sure that there's some folks listening that are like, uh, yeah, I'm glad. So I was watching Play Society last night and I just loved the relationship that you have with your sister. So your character, Lena, is this young woman that just drops out of art school and she's having a bit of a crisis in terms of what is she going to do next? And you have this younger sister who's so wholeheartedly rooting for you to continue on the path forward and just keep on with your art career. Reflecting on the relationship that you have with your sister within Play Society, is that something that you have with any of your cousins or with maybe a friend? I definitely feel like having brothers being like a sister to them is totally what's relatable. I think especially with my younger brother, because I have this, not even responsibility, just a unconditional love. When they do well, it feels like I'm doing well. Then I also feel like I have this responsibility, especially to my younger sibling, that I have my shit together when obviously I don't always have my shit together. And there's this sort of shame that I've sometimes felt when like I need his help. 
and that he doesn't realize how much I actually like learn from him and how much he gives me. Yeah, I have a younger sister and I know exactly what you're talking about. I saw a lot of our dynamic in the two characters in Play Society and it's just such a beautiful relationship. I love how your character is like the older sister, but grudgingly is like kind of helping her and supporting her on her dream. For Lena's character in Play Society, how do you relate most to her? I mean, in so many ways. At the beginning of the film, at least, she's like in this, like you said, really tough place and she doesn't have this sense of purpose and she's lost. She's, she doesn't know what to do with herself. And God, have I been there. And especially at the beginning of my career, and there's just there's so much rejection all the time, but I found it really hard to navigate at first. I would take things really personal and I would just sort of spend days in bed just moping around, but I didn't know any other way. And so I've been Lena. This thing is thrilling. And so I'm going to throw myself into it. And that's what she does. You know, she meets this like guy and she falls in love with him and she can't sort of see any wrong with it, but there's something kind of rebellious about it. And I think that can happen. And then she finds her power, I think, by the end. But she still doesn't know what she wants to do. And But I think that's okay. Absolutely. I just loved playing her because it was just, yeah, very relatable. So you said earlier that you weren't great at navigating rejection in the past. What made it easier? Because I think there's a lot of folks that are listening that are like, yeah, I am so sick and tired of being on the receiving end of rejection. How do you build that muscle so it gets a little bit easier over time? Firstly, I don't know. I don't have all the answers and no one does, right? And so I'm taking the pressure off myself to try and act like I know anything. What I've found has helped me is just working on my relationship with myself. So I think all your relationships with people, with even auditions, with anything, is only ever as good as your relationship with yourself because we are mirrors. And so if you can find your tools or your practices or whatever you can, to enjoy being you in your own company. And that just makes the external less important. I just felt like only until getting that perspective did things get much easier. And I really didn't have that at first. Oftentimes we get into a place where we take it so personally that we let rejection destroy us. But I think that sometimes rejection or the fear of rejection holds people back from even like giving something a go. What advice do you have to people listening that? are too afraid to even go for something that they want to go for because they're afraid to get rejected. I can tell you what I find useful, which is to get rid of that fear is to not be so married to the outcome and to how do you just enjoy the process? Because there is no end goal. There's no achievement that you'll then have and be like, right, I've done it. It's just life. I got very similar advice from my therapist as it relates to dating. It's just to have fun with the process of dating versus focusing as much on the outcome. And I totally agree. Reflecting back on your relationship, I think there was a really powerful conversation, speaking of dating, that happened between you and this potential suitor. In that part of the movie, you're on a date and you get asked a question, what do you do? And this is like a dreaded question for a lot of people. It doesn't matter if you're on a date or if you're on an event, even if you're online dating and you're actually in this point of transition. I love the dialogue that actually happened in the film afterwards, but we'll save that for folks listening to actually watch for themselves. But how do you personally feel about the question, what do you do? It's so interesting you say that because I do find that a fascinating question because we kind of define ourselves 
by what we do as the thing we've chosen as a job, right? But like, what are these labels that we're giving ourselves? We can feel so trapped. Like, I'm so much more than an actor. But if someone says, what do you do? I'll say I'm an actor. And that's not to reduce what that means. When I meet people, I don't ask that question. People are in a position now to have more multi-hyphenate careers. We had a conversation earlier this season with a woman by the name of Tori Deal. She's like writing a children's book. She has like an OnlyFans business. She's MTV, Rally TV star. Like it's just wild context shifts. And I think that that's true for a lot of folks. I've been asking people a lot, what are you really excited about right now? Really cool question. I've actually never formally interviewed an actor before. I have it and I have to ask, and I know this may seem like a silly question, but I, I know I'm not alone in thinking this. How do you remember your lines? Dude, are you really asking me that question? I have to ask. I'm just so, I'm so curious. Like even the dialogue that was going on watching the film last night, it's just like so many powerful like moments. Different ways. I'll listen to it actually. That's my way. I mean, sometimes it doesn't, it just goes in from, from reading it like a bunch of times and trying different ways or thinking about it. But yeah, I, a good way for me to do it is I'll record it and I'll listen to it back and repeat it. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I know that there's a lot of folks that are listening that are probably doing speaking engagements or they're maybe trying to show up more on social media with different elements of content. I figured, you know what, who better to ask than, than an actor that does it? I'm curious about any barriers that you felt you experience pursuing acting as a full-time career? Firstly, I just think it's challenging to be so open and vulnerable. I love it because it's challenging. It could be so easy to sort of gloss over something and actually like, wait, no, what I love to see with any art is someone being like, no, this is me. And so you can see yourself through me. So I'll be brave enough to, to show you me. So I try my best to do that. So that's like a barrier I'm constantly trying to pull through. And I think that's the essence of it. And then there's barriers, which are just like being a human, which is working on myself to feel present and grateful and in the room and not thinking too far ahead. And also not feeling that imposter syndrome, remembering just because someone else has got all this experience doesn't mean that they weren't where you are right now, like just before and thinking the same things. So just trying to, trying to keep my cool. <laughs> it's a barrier. Just me myself talking. And it's so funny because I'll ask someone else. I'll be like, how do you not be anxious and all this stuff? And they sort of say that too. And I'm like, that's not helpful. Tell me the secret. I feel like we're all just trying. No one has their shit together. We're all just trying to figure it out. We're all fumbling through, right? And so the best thing we can do is, I think, be kind to ourselves and to helps us be kinder to each other. Speaking of none of us having it all figured out, which I think is totally true. Sometimes I feel like I'm cosplaying as like a working adult <laughs> at times. But at Girl Boss, we are uncovering all the ways women choose to define success on their own terms. And it's been interesting having all these conversations, learning about all the ways in which women are redefining success. And I'm curious, what do you think it means to be successful? It really hasn't got so much to do with the external. Absolutely. So do you believe that you're successful? <laughs> yeah, but not always. Do you? You're the second person to ask me that question back. And 
my answer is always evolving. I think that it's the same as yours. I do, but not always. Yeah, that's literally it. We can feel both. Nothing is black and white. I say this probably on every other podcast, but multiple things can be true at once. And it's almost like a yes end. I really feel like we can only just learn from our experiences and most of the time the hard ones. And it almost gives you like a safe pass to be like, oh, okay, so here's this like mega celebrity actor, just super accomplished woman who doesn't feel successful at the time. That's a really affirming thing to be on the receiving end of. So I feel like people listening are probably going to take a lot away from our conversation. In terms of success, what has been your biggest success to date? I want to say learning how to look after myself. My life changed when I took a look inwards instead of searching out like, what if, if I had that, then I'd be happy. If I had that, I'd be happy. And it was like, I was just depressed and I got really, really down. And it wasn't until sort of hitting a rock bottom did I go like, I need some help. This isn't a way to live. And so put in the practices, you know, got the help and was able to rejig it all and like learn that, oh my gosh, I can be, you know just me and I'm enough and be happy but it is a practice and knowing that and I just am so proud that I can sit here and like talk to you about that and it be something that's like far away so then I can share to people that thing which during that time it was just like I couldn't see outside of it and so that is 100% my biggest success. I love that because I think that what that tells us and signals to folks listening is that Some of our biggest accomplishments and successes are things that people can't see. And that's true for me too. I was going to say it's a lot to do with like this digital age that we're living in right now, where we are constantly comparing ourselves to something that's really fake. Absolutely. So I was really struck by Lena's strength and the evolution that she went through during the film. Could you describe Lena's character for folks listening in who haven't seen the movie yet, but really want to. And what do you think makes her the most relatable? We see her at the beginning of the film where she's in this really dark place. She's this sort of lost soul. She's just dropped out of art school. And so this thing that she thought she was going to do with her life is now not there. And she is getting stoned every day. She's eating a whole duck in the street because she's like looking for something she wants to feel something she wants to fill this void and then a guy comes into her life and she's like ah this makes me feel happy this finally takes me away this distracts me from this other thing so I'm gonna go with it no matter what my younger sister says no matter what the people that love me might think they don't know anything it gets very sort of defensive and puts up barriers about that and then only sort of through learning the hard way does she come out the other end and realize, oh, it's okay to not know what I'm doing. It's okay to not have that direction that I once had because it will figure itself out. Yeah. And her sister, her younger sister, Rhea, in the movie calls her out at one point and is just like, she's only in a relationship with him because she's sad and her mind is all like kind of messed up right now. And That really struck a chord with me too, because I've definitely been there where I've made decisions that weren't necessarily in alignment with what was good for me because I wasn't in a good place. And (laughs) I paused it and I like sat with it for a second and I still am thinking about it. I would love to hear from you. 
So for every episode, we do a in or out segment. So in or out, checking your email first thing in the morning. Out. In or out, all-nighters. Out. In or out, bringing your laptop to bed. (laughs) Out. I hardly ever do that. Also, I lied about the emails. I do that a lot, but I'm saying out because I don't think you should, and I don't like that I do it a lot. Okay. In or out, having positive comparisons. Oh, in. And I guess, of course, you can compare, but when it comes from a place of love and inspiration, then it just makes you be like, ah, okay, you're taking that lesson. I might do that lesson too. Cool. Let's do this. I mean, even, of course, Priya Kansara, who plays Rhea, I'm like constantly being inspired by her. Amazing. Okay. Well, I think that that's such a great way to end off our conversation. Thank you, Avery. It was so lovely speaking with you. And that's a wrap of my conversation with Nita and Ritu from Polite Society. It was so good to see a story centered around sisterly love and the power of a woman's rage. Seriously, go watch that film. Plus, leave a comment and let us know what you think we can do to make Girlboss Radio even better. As always, this podcast is produced by Liz Goober and Victoria Christie and edited by Diego Domine. Until next time, keep blooming. This episode is brought to you by Focus Features. Still deciding whether or not to cancel your plans this weekend to see Polite Society? Take it from the team at Girlboss who got a sneak peek at the film before it hits theaters this Friday. Liz, our editorial director, called it punchy, resonant, and deeply felt. Kat, our social media manager, said that the cultural experiences of the protagonist felt super familiar to her as a Southeast Asian woman. And Kelly, our brand partnerships manager, was on the edge of her seat the whole time, thanks to the cutthroat fighting scenes and plot twists. Play Society is in theaters April 28th. Get your tickets now at PlaySocietyMovie.com. That's PlaySocietyMovie.com.